You know, I've been preaching a lot uh, over this past year, and I go out and preach to churches, fill in for pastors who are traveling or on vacation or are sick, and it's easy. Uh, you just kind of plop in, helico- you know, you, you uh, parachute in, you don't know the people, you can say what you want because you're leaving the next. <laughs> it, is a, it is a privilege uh, to be with my brothers and sisters in the faith, privilege to have some members of my family here today. And uh, before I begin, I want to thank uh, Pastor Tobin and Pastor Alfredo for inviting me to speak as a pastor I know that uh, every pastor cherishes the opportunity to proclaim, and so they they graciously uh, gave me the opportunity, which meant one of them had to sacrifice their slot. And so, gracias para para esta oportunidad. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Let me start with a simple statement. I am a Christian. Now for me, for me that means that I look to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus for hope, for direction, and for salvation. And I try to follow Jesus' words, Jesus' way, as I make my way through life. In other words, I try to be a disciple. Try to be a disciple. Now many of you call yourselves disciples as well, followers of Jesus. And like me, you are trying to follow the words and ways of Jesus in your daily life. And I say try, because following Jesus is not easy. For lots of reasons, what I want to focus on today are the distractions. The distractions that cause us to lose our focus that cause us to lose our concentration, distractions that cause us to stumble and lose our way and we go wandering off. One of the worst distractions that we disciples face, I'm going to call noise. So let's think a little bit this morning about noise. In the early morning, I go over to the park down the street for my morning exercises. I use the machines. There I am pulling and pushing and straining and grunting And then all of a sudden, I was going to pipe in some some noise from the noise blower, but I thought that would, yeah. One of the the, the companies that they hire to clean the park shows up with those nasty leaf blowers, okay? Well, they disturb my concentration. And in some ways, they exhaust me. I know they do, because when when they turn off the machine, I go, ah. Have you ever noticed that? How when there's a noisy environment and you're in it and you're in it and then the the noise stops and you go, ah, huh? You don't even realize how tense you've become, how tense you've gotten because you see this noise invades you. It can distract you, it disturbs you, it, it can frighten you and it can exhaust you. Let's think a little bit about noise. Way back in the 1980s, I was a missionary pastor in Brazil. And my colleague, my co-pastor, was a guy named Oneji Bobson. That's kind of a nice name, Oneji Bobson. And Oneji was a very sharp guy. He was a pastor and a sociologist and very clear thinker. 
Now, Brazil at that time was living under an authoritarian military government. And one day, Oneji gave to me this analysis of the reality we were living. He says, you know, Ronaldo, our national system, our government purposely creates a lot of noise. A lot of news, a lot of rumors and outrageous statements. They're always out there. They produce noise in order to disturb us, to exhaust the population, because then it's easier to control us and keep themselves in power. Hmm. His analysis made a whole lot of sense for the reality of Brazil at that time. And I have to admit that I'm beginning to wonder about our reality. Is that what's happening here? Now, I don't know. I'm not a sociologist like Oneji. But I do know one thing. And that is that our world, my world, has gotten a lot noisier these past few years. Huh? Now, is all of this part of some great scheme to, to exhaust and control us? I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not one of those conspiracy theory guys. Huh? I think more... At least I know for sure it is the result of instant connectivity that we have. We got Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and tweets. Huh? I do know that our world is noisy. And I do know that because of that noise, you and I, lots of people, are disturbed, distracted, and some of them are frightened. I volunteer at Charity's Closet, our thrift store down the street that supports his house, the Homeless Intervention Shelter. And a few months ago, one of the volunteers there was talking to me, and she said she was having trouble sleeping. And she said the reason she couldn't sleep was that she was fearful for the kind of world that her kids and grandkids were going to have to live in. You see, this daily onslaught of noise was overwhelming her. And she had tears in her voice, and she came up to me and she said, Ron, I'm just, I'm just so afraid of the future. So how do we cope with the noise? How do you cope with the noise in your culture? The noise in our culture, our economy, our government, our media. One thing we can say for sure, it's not going to go away. Can't make it go away. One thing we got to do is focus. If we want to walk in this world... As disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to practice a centered life. We need to focus intentionally on what matters. We need to focus regularly on what will steady us, guide us, orient our minds and hearts, keep our minds and hearts clear. We need a way to you know, find a way to keep our balance in the midst of all of this noise, this constant, relentless noise. So what can we Christians do? Well, we're on a start, good start right here. We need to gather regularly. Huh? Now, I know it's, it's summer and, you know, we travel and some of us have skipped a few Sundays. Huh? I have to, although some I'm preaching. You, you, yeah. <laughs> but Christian disciples discipline themselves. Huh? Discipline themselves to set aside time to refocus. So we come away from the noise that can disturb us, and we try to listen to God's word as it is read, to God's word as it is proclaimed. And the Bible is the witness to what God has done, and when the preacher preaches 
and the Holy Spirit is working and the congregation listens, huh? when we engage the Bible by the power of the Spirit, this proclamation can help us understand what God is doing in the world and in our lives. So, the, one of the first calls today is make sure you worship regularly. Huh? Make sure you're pondering the Word. Those are not just nice options for Christians. In a noisy world like ours, they are necessities. We're going to focus today on a part of the Word that comes from 2 Corinthians. And I'm going to read it. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So how can this text help us cope with the noise of this world? I'm going to tell a little story this morning. For the last few years, I have been researching and writing about my grandfather. And let me tell you the outline of his story. His name was Rudolf Heupel. How about that, huh? Rudolf Heupel, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather. He was born in 1893 in a little village called Freidorf in what is today the Ukraine, but then was Russia. And he learned to speak Russian in school, and, but the village and the entire region was German, as was my grandfather. Now his older brother Jacob and his older sister Catherine immigrated to the United States, North Dakota to be exact, in, in 1903. When, and, and Rudolf at the time was 10 years old. In 1913, when Rudolf was 20, he traveled to Germany and he enrolled in a deacon training program. Now, Grandpa's timing could not have been worse. 1913, one year later, huh? World War I breaks out. And Germany is at war with all of Europe. Then Germany declares war on Russia, where Rudolf's extended family lives. He never saw any of them again. Some of them most likely were killed. Some of them got sent to Siberia. Grandpa wasn't drafted into the German army because he was Russian-born, and he was suspect. He was quarantined to the little town where he was living. Now his brother and sister, they lived in the United States, and before too long, Germany's at war with the United States. What's happening with his brother and sister? He doesn't know. And starvation hit Germany pretty hard. In 1914, 1916 was this called the, the turnip winter. Potato harvest failed, and all they had to eat was turnips. How many of you have eaten turnips? How many would like to eat turnips three times a day all winter long? Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, then the great flu epidemic swept across the globe, including Germany, and nobody knows how many died. And I don't know for sure, but I wonder... On top of all of this, how my grandfather uh, was treated by the Germans, being that he was a Russian-born. After the war, Germany was a mess. It was, in the words of, of some of our leaders, a manure-hole country. Disgruntled soldiers roamed the country. They refused to stand down. 
and they, they became uh, terrorists, caused mayhem, and inflation was, was out of control. You've seen these pictures of people with wheelbarrows full of paper money going to the bakery to buy a loaf of bread. It was that bad. It was that bad. And my grandfather, he wasn't able to get naturalized as a German, and the country where he came from no longer existed. He was literally a man without a country, and he was penniless. In August of 1923, thanks to money sent by his brother, Jacob, he and his wife, my grandmother and their, their little girl, came to North Dakota. And now they were still penniless, but at least they had family that was close. And they lived with them for a while. They lived with Catherine and her husband and their nine kids. I don't know where they all lived, where they all slept. My uncle, surviving uncle said, don't ask. In November of that year, 1923, Rudolph's first son, Rudolph Jr., was born. And then Grandpa had a chance to go to the seminary, a lifelong dream, become a pastor. So in January of 24, he goes off to Minnesota, leaves his, his wife and the 16-month-old and the new baby with his sister and her husband and their nine kids. On March 2nd, he got a telegram. Baby Rudolph has died. The funeral will be on Saturday. Now, Grandpa didn't even have money for a train ticket. All he could do was send a telegram. And the telegram maybe sounds harsh to us, but I think it reflected a little bit of his faith. He sent back the telegram, said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Well, his fellow students took pity on him, and they took up a collection so he could go back on the train for the funeral. And after that, he brought his, his wife and daughter back to Minnesota. And due to overwork and constant childbearing, she had, she, had child, she had children in February three years in a row. I see some of the women in the crowd going a little pale. <laughs> but due to all of that, his, he, Ida almost had a breakdown. Finally, he finished seminary and he went back to North Dakota to be a pastor in a country church. And once again, his timing could not have been worse. Within a few years, the rain stopped and Stop falling and the, the wind starts blowing and the crops start dying. Yeah, it's the dirty 30s. And black clouds fill the sky and Grandpa Hoipel, Rudolph, and his family, they don't have any, the people that they serve don't have any money. So they get paid in, in vegetables and, and sides of beef and maybe a bacon now and then. My mom said, well, we didn't have any money, but at least we had food. Well, some years passed, quite a few years passed, Rudolph's firstborn daughter dies of polio at 30. A month later, a month later, his first grandson dies after three days of life. A decade later, his oldest son has a nervous breakdown. A few months after that, Grandpa Hoipel dies of a stroke at age 67. Whoa. So let's look again at this letter. Was Grandpa hard-pressed? Definitely. Was he perplexed? Most likely. Was he persecuted? I'm not sure, but I think probably so. Was he struck down more than once? More than once. But let me tell you this. Grandpa Hoipo, my grandpa, Rudolph, was not crushed. He was not driven to despair. He was not forsaken, and he was not destroyed. In fact, during Rudolph Hoipo's time as a pastor in that country church, the congregation thrived. 
He organized summer Bible school for the country church, and they had 80-plus kids that showed up. And even, I found this out, even during the darkest days of the Depression, he continued to send personal donations back to the Deacon Training Institute. I have letters that say, thank you, Pastor Rudolph, for sending the $2 and the box full of socks. Two of his sons, two of his sons had lifelong uh, fruitful careers as Lutheran pastors. His grandson, me, followed him, and now his great-grandson, Chris, is a pastor in South Dakota. Chris's sister is here today. And because he had a gift of healing, a special gift of healing, thousands and thousands of German-Russian immigrants and settlers out there in that part of the world, they came from North Dakota and South Dakota and Nebraska and Canada, came to him for physical help. And they called him, some of them called him doctor, but he refused that title. He said, no, 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 I'm not a doctor. He insisted he was a pastor doing the Lord's work. A couple of weeks ago, I attended the 49th, get this, the 49th annual Germans from Russia Heritage Society Convention <laughs> in Fargo, North Dakota. And I spoke about my grandfather. I spoke about this, the research I'd done and and I was amazed by how many people came up to me and talked about my grandfather and his ministry. And they said, oh yeah, my dad used to talk about him all the time. He healed my grandfather. Blah, blah. This is about a man who died 60 years ago. 60 years ago. I was 11 when my grandfather died. I was the only one of the grandchildren that was allowed to go to the funeral. Everybody else they thought was too young. I don't know how, how old you have to be to go to a funeral. But I remember his funeral. It was in the summer, and all the combines and the tractors were, were idle. And the church was packed, the little country church was packed, and the people stood three, four deep in circles around the church, a testimony to his life and work. Now what made the difference? The answer, friends, is the treasure. Grandpa Hoipel, like Apostle Paul, had a treasure. No matter what happened in his life, through all of the noise and the disaster, Grandpa focused on the treasure. And friends, it's the same treasure that you have. Jesus tells a little story about the treasure. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. And then his joy goes forth and sells all that he has and buys that field. Folks, the treasure is the most valuable thing you can ever have. Here it is. Here's the treasure that can help you cope with the noise in this world. Here's the treasure that needs to be the focus of your life. The God who created and sustained the universe, the God who creates and sustains all of life, that God has declared that you, little old you, are going to be part of God's family forever. You've all been pre-approved. Center your life on that word. Keep Keep the focus of your life on that treasure and you'll keep your balance. You'll keep your sanity and your hope in the midst of all this noise. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you stop living and doing and serving. To the contrary. This treasure is, is like a good set of earplugs that'll help you get, get doing what needs doing. The treasure will allow you to ignore the noise and get on with your discipleship. Almost a year ago now, I attended a banquet, a benefit banquet for solidarity. It's an organization 
I know that many of you have heard about, an organization that PPC supports, an organization that some of you work with directly. For 17 years, this organization, founded by Christian men and women, young people from, from Hope University in Fullerton, has been working with some of the tough neighborhoods in Placentia and Fullerton. Now, the media and the society we live in makes a lot of noise, a lot of noise about gangs, huh? about poverty, about drugs, about immigration, a lot of noise. And that, the noise is there. But these followers of Jesus don't let the noise distract them. They keep focusing on the treasure, the treasure that God has given them, and the treasure they know that God wants to give to the people in the Garnett and Maple neighborhoods. So for the past 17 years, these people, our people, have kept going into these neighborhoods, working with kids and families and starting leadership training programs and after-school activities and mentoring programs. And at that banquet, it's almost a year ago now, I think, we celebrated the lives that had been changed, the hope that is growing, the progress that's being made. And one of the things that struck me was that some of the kids who were in elementary school when this program started had, had now graduated from college and they were back in the community trying to make a difference. They were focusing on the treasure. And you see, that treasure is what frees you from the noise and frees you to do some earthly good. So, here's what I told my sad friend at Charity's Closet that day. And here's the good news for you for this day. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do not let the noise in this world paralyze and terrorize you. Center your focus, center your thoughts, center your hearts on your great treasure. God's love for you. Ignore the noise and step out and, and live as God calls you to live. Ignore the noise and step out as God calls you to love. Ignore the noise and step out and serve as God calls you to serve because you know that God will hold you now and forever. Amen. 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 Let us stand and sing. Hurry up, guys. We're going to sing. <laughs>